0: Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan and thank you for joining us today. As we be prepared to start a year long journey through the Bible, I thought it would be a good time for me to give you all some background about me. I would like to share a part of my childhood with you um, how the Lord found me and some of the miraculous things that He's done in my life. I hope this helps shed some light on me and the hope that I have in Christ, which motivates me to do this podcast. So I was born and raised in South Texas, right on the border of Mexico, and I was blessed with uh, growing up in a godly environment. Both of my parents are saved, Uh, both sets of my grandparents are saved, and a handful of my extended relatives are also saved. I was a Pretty easygoing kid, uh, very fairly low maintenance, easygoing, uh, pretty optimistic, I was, and I was also very trusting of people, and uh, gave pretty much everybody the benefit of the doubt. I have a sister who is a little more than five years younger than me, and she is exactly the opposite of me in most ways. I was blessed to have a loving mother who wanted to hear every detail about my day, and she was always there for me. My dad was someone who always worked very hard with his hands. He did well at everything he put his mind to, and he had a strong work ethic that heavily impacted me later in life. My family wasn't wealthy, but my parents did a great job of keeping their financial woes from being a burden on me. And I never felt like I ever lacked anything. Uh, When I where I went to school, um, it was a private school. And because I performed well in school, I was able to go there on a scholarship program that um, my family could not otherwise pay for. It almost completely paid for my tuition because otherwise I would not have been able to go there. I learned um, how much I loved language arts and math and computer science well before the internet was even a thing. And uh, when I was in elementary school, my family was one of a few groups that came together in the community and started a new Baptist church in town. And I have very fond memories of helping to build the church where it still is today, uh, keeping it clean, and uh, both of my parents were heavily involved in the church in different areas. When I was 10 years old, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I was baptized at a different church because where we were at the time, didn't have a baptistry, so we got together with another uh, Baptist church in town and I had it done there. My dad and my grandfather were both deacons. Um, My mom was the Sunday school teacher and both of my parents were involved in various committees throughout my childhood. When I graduated from high school Um, I really didn't have to try hard in school. I focused more on my social life than I did with any academics, uh, for the most part. There were a couple that I did have trouble with, but otherwise it was all very easy for me. When I went to college um, at the local university, I met the love of my life at a luncheon hosted by the local branch of the um, Baptist Student Ministries. And um, after knowing her for a few months, I finally mustered up the courage to ask her out. And we dated for a while, and we eventually got married a couple years later. And today, you know, we're still happily married, and we're the proud parents of three beautiful, rambunctious boys. I have a great career that makes enough to let her stay home with the kids and allows us to homeschool them. And following in my family's footsteps, I am actively involved to this day in my local church as a deacon and as a Sunday school teacher, and I'm also in various committees. Now, I've said all this, and I've really painted a particular picture about myself. And it seemed, I'm making it sound like my life was absolutely perfect. However, I've only told you half of the story. So now let me share the other half of my life with you. You'll see that everything I just described to you had nothing to do with me personally. Um, Anything that I've done was not of my own merit. And I didn't deserve anything I, I grew up with or that I have today. All of it was God's grace and providence in my life. So, here's the rest of the story. When I was four, my I, I was always watching my dad play on his Nintendo in his room. Um, I remember the first game that I got my hands on was uh, when he had a Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, which was on a single cartridge, and he had that little zapper gun that Uh, You'd point at the screen to shoot the ducks. And um, since, you know, the arcade games and pinball machines really were a big thing in the early 80s, my dad had a strong inclination to spend lots of time and energy playing games, something he still does to this day. And he's in his 60s. I also inherited that inclination, which haunts me even to this day. My parents did a lot of things right in my life. In, in fact, most things were done right. Um, but one fatal flaw in my upbringing was how much freedom I had to play video games. As I got older, the amount of time I would play would go up, and the games became darker or more complex. At a young age, I had a TV in my room and my own game system. So I was able to play as much as I was able to and whether they knew about it or not. And as long as it was up to me, all I wanted to do was play video games. I didn't want to do anything with my life except for studying games, learning more about it, all the details, you know, playing it and just immersing myself into video games. Nothing really mattered to me besides that. I think what intensified the problem for me growing up was that I was heavily bullied the entire time I was at that private school. There was one kid in particular who identified me as his arch nemesis almost from day one of kindergarten, and he made my life miserable for the next nine years. Physically, he was smaller than me. But he was good in getting into my head constantly, and he had enough charisma to recruit other people like him to physically and mentally abuse me for many years. And despite my family's efforts in trying to find literature and you know various other ways to help me cope with the feelings I had, and you know trying to encourage me to stand my ground. I was, I was really just a sensitive kid who was not the kind who would fight back and get in people's faces. So I struggled with that. You know, in middle school, I recall contemplating suicide many times. I didn't see that there was an end in sight, and I felt hopeless. The only place that I found solace where I felt like I was in control and where things Turned out the way I wanted it to go was when I was playing video games. And so it defined my life for most of my, all the way up into my adulthood. You know, currently I'm in my 30s and this was one thing that never really detached itself from me. Now, I told you already that I was a pretty easygoing kid and overall I wanted to do the right thing in my life, you know, to be obedient to, you know, all the expectations that were um, held up for me. But there were two darker traits that I have that I'm capable of being that um, were detrimental in my life. One is I'm capable of being a very sneaky person. And the other one is that I bottle up my emotions. So I learned on early in life that if I make a pretend lie look obvious to others, that I come across as being a, a bad liar. But that's what I wanted people to think. When I, re- I really wasn't a bad liar, I got away with way more than most people know. And I was not the kind of person that when you leave them alone, that you could trust me to behave myself or to follow rules when no one was looking. You know, like my kids, my my parents would say, hey, don't watch TV when we're gone. Oh, I watch TV. Oh, stay out of your dad's room, stay off his video games. I was in there. Sorry, Dad. And I think part of the reason why bottling up my emotions became so natural to me was because you know through the you know the bullying in my life I felt like no one understood me and I couldn't really relate with anyone and you know even to this day I'm very different from most people um, in what I'm interested in um, you know I don't I'm not really big into small talk so that puts people off and you know I'm I've gravitated throughout my life and is being identified as like a, a lone wolf of sorts, just kind of independent and just minding my own business. Not only that, but um, I live in a mostly Hispanic community. Um, and being a, a white kid living in a Hispanic community, um, they don't look at you the same way as they would their, of their own kind, if you will. I mean, I've never really seen myself as really being white, honestly. You know, it's I felt like I was a local. And so I never really saw color. And I still don't. But, uh, you know, when people look at me, even to this day, they look at me like I'm some sort of outsider or a stranger. And people make it very obvious that they feel this way. And it wasn't until high school that I met people that were similar to me they accepted me for who I was and those were the kind of people that you would identify them as the misfits the the nerds the unpopular kids those were those were my people and you know, i made some very lasting and impactful relationships with them and you know i had a very i have very fond memories of my time with them Um, people I would still consider friends to this day if we kept up with each other. But um, we shared similar interests in computers, video games, and we got into other things like playing Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, you know, card games like that. Um, But they they liked me for who I was, and I felt like I belonged. And I have very fond memories of that time. And up until my junior year in high school... I was genuinely happy because I got to hang out with these people. But then I was old enough to where I needed to enter into the, the workforce. And so I got when I was 17, I got my first job. And it was at a restaurant where I was a, a busboy. You know, the people who clean the tables and wash the dishes, so on and so forth. The man who got me the job went to our church, and he was the general manager of this place. And he was a Christian, but the employees that worked for him were very lost, very lived very chaotic lives. They were an extremely bad influence on me. And they showed me how to dive headfirst in all the sins that they live in every day. You know, and at seventeen, I was introduced to alcohol, drugs, pornography, all that nasty stuff. And I was there for a little over a year. And there was one night where I had moved up to being a oh, a server, a waiter. And um, one habit I had at the end of the night was I would go behind the bar and I would help myself to. Uh, you know, some alcohol, take it in a to-go cup and leave. Well, I got away with it for a while until one day I got caught. And so the next day, I had to confront this man who hired me, who goes to my church, who knows my parents very well. And just to see the disappointment in his eyes, you know, that, that, that look of betrayal. And naturally, he fired me right there. I was a sneaky kid and my parents didn't know that I had been fired for a little over a week because I pretended like I was going to work and I actually went to the local arcade or somewhere else just to kill time. And so they had to find out from him by accident that I was not there anymore. And you can imagine the kind of conversation I had with them. It was not pretty. So around that same time, I had just gotten accepted to um, the local university. And because of my academics, I was granted a full scholarship with extra. I was literally getting paid to go to school. And I just threw it all away. I went to some classes. I got bored with them. And so I would just spend my time going to the campus game lounge and finding a computer and just playing video games all day. So, you know, naturally I failed all my classes and I was on academic probation. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to quit school. So out I went. It was then that my dad let me work for him. Now, he owned a uh, a landscaping business at the time and... He hired me on as a manual laborer, and I worked for him for a few months, um, and it didn't take long for me to hate that job. And after that time had passed, he pulled me aside one day, and he had a conversation with me that I remember vividly to this day. Now, we said a lot of things, but one of the main things that he said that has always stuck with me was, you know, him saying something like this. You know, son, you've been digging holes for me for a while. Do you see yourself doing this for the rest of your life? Or do you actually want to make something of yourself? Do you want to be a ditch digger? Or do you want to be someone that you can look at in the mirror and be proud of? It's up to you. And that really hit home with me. So shortly after that, I... I got my act together, and I re-enrolled in school. But since I had ruined it the first time, I had to pay my way this time through school, and my parents still graciously helped me a little bit with the tuition. It was shortly after that, when I met my future wife, I, it happened by chance that uh, I met an old friend at you guessed it, the game lounge. And he invited me to this luncheon because there was going to be some free food. And um, so obviously I hadn't learned my lesson completely if I'm still in the game lounge. So I went in. As soon as I walked in there, that's when I saw her. And let me tell you, it was love at first sight. I didn't believe in that until it actually happened. Now, I was super shy, and I have no idea, probably even today, I have no game at all. I have no idea how to talk to women. So it took a while, but thank God she was equally interested in me as well, or it wouldn't have worked out. So as we got to know each other, I opened up to to her about some of the darkness in my past, and surprising to me, it didn't really bother her too much. As long as it stayed in the past, right? Now, the worst way that I affected our relationship at the beginning was that I just had the inability to open up and let down my guard with her. I had major trust issues with everybody. I trusted no one. I mean, this is from years of bullying, from all that abuse, you know, from, you know, friendships going sour, um you know, the sin that I had dabbled in, you know, hating people that got me into that. And I only had one other girlfriend before my future wife, and she had cheated on me. And so that really was a very painful experience. And so um, when my wife saw that I wasn't letting her in, we actually broke up for a while. And when that happened, I felt empty and dead inside after that. I was devastated. But it was the learning experience that I needed. And as you can tell up to this point, I only learned things the hard way. So it was a lesson that I needed to learn. So after that happened, I realized that she wanted to know me. And she wanted to know what I was hiding behind that wall. And so I, I dropped my guard with her. I, I let her in, and she took me back. And things went very well from there. Well, I mean, obviously, right? I mean, we got married and everything, so things worked out very well for me. So when we got married, um, our first couple years were rocky. And it was mostly me. We, we were both young and immature, but I, I didn't realize how territorial I was and how neglectful I was to her needs and how I spoke to other people because of being an idiot, but also because of my gaming addiction. Um, she married me knowing that I had this problem, but she loved me anyway, and it, I, but I didn't make it easy on her. So not only that, but I was still drinking at the time, and I was not acting at all in a godly fashion. Now, I wasn't like an aggressive or angry drunk or anything, but, you know, I did not have control over my mouth when I was drinking. Now, the job that I was working at at the time was not a wholesome environment either. Um, it was like a more of an office setting, but... My co-workers were also, you know, very worldly, I guess. And they, they encouraged my alcoholism and ungodly behavior as well. So even though I loved my family, I, I had so much anger and hatred for people in general that it just blinded me as to what made life worth living. I would often get off my video games, and just ask myself, what's the point? What's the point to anything? And when my wife got pregnant with um, our first son, we had planned a baby shower. And that night before the baby shower, I went out with a friend of mine to a house party. I somehow got really wasted on like two beers, which which was not normal for me. And I uh, ended up going to his house to try to, you know, let it wear off. And then I realized what was happening the next day with the baby shower. And I tried to drive home. Drunk. And this was the third and last time that I did that, where I fell asleep at the wheel. And when I woke up, I found myself teetering on a set of train tracks. And after this wake-up call, um, I went home to my wife. I apologized to her, and I vowed never to drink alcohol for the rest of my life. And a couple of years after that, I found another job with uh, who I currently work for, and I've been there ever since, um, obviously. And it was several years of hard work, um, with very long hours and a very abusive boss. I mean, he was verbally, emotionally, and just relentlessly abusive on how he treated many of his employees. But for some reason, he treated me worse than he did everyone else. And I thought he hated me and he purposely sought me out to make me miserable. And it just made all those feelings of you know, my childhood bullying just happened all over again, and I hated him. Yeah, but I and I wanted to quit so bad, but I did not have a, a, a the strength to do it, nor did I have a plan B in order to uh, go somewhere else. So I stuck with it, and finally. After several years, I was able to get a promotion to a different department in the company in order to get away from him and to work in a hopefully better environment. So, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, time out, just a second. This got really dark, didn't it? So, how can you have someone like me who grew up in a godly home, grew up going to every activity at church, hearing the Bible read every Sunday, Marrying a godly woman, and yet despite of all of this, I was so deep in sin and ungratefulness and just ludicrous amounts of idiocy. How is that possible? So it's only fitting to ask the question, where was God in all of this? So let me make something very clear. Despite what environment you grew up in, how abused or not abused you are, who you hang out with, the root problem is the same for all of mankind. Sin is in our very nature. And unless God works on our behalf, we will always choose sin over him. Always. 100% of the time. We act according to our nature. So we naturally gravitate towards the things of of this world that profit us nothing. I don't know why God chose to save me, but he did. The older I get, the more I see the bigger picture of what his plan was for me. So let me tell you what the Lord did in my life. Now, I don't think I can cover everything at once here, but uh, let me share just a few of them with you. The Lord let me go to this school and be bullied for a reason. He needed me to understand the sadness and depravity that just exists in all people and to have compassion for them. He also needed me to develop a thick skin that wasn't easily phased by what people say, which was something that serves me very well even to this day. I wasn't born with that trait, but it was a learned behavior that he allowed me to have. My upbringing helped me understand that some things were just never acceptable. Although I did many things that I regret, there were some things that were simply not negotiable. So, a couple of examples. The first one, using the Lord's name in vain for me was never an option for my entire life. It's never been an option. The second thing is sex before marriage. When I was in 7th grade, there was a program that uh, came to our church and it was called True Love Waits, which they teach abstinence before before marriage. And I remember signing a card with my commitment on it and I carried it in my wallet all those years, from middle school, high school, college. I carried it in my wallet each time. Now, it was just a piece of paper, and I could have easily just thought very little of it. But despite all the things that I did that I regret, this was one thing that I remained faithful in. And I am grateful to the Lord that both my wife and I were pure When we got married. And now, being older, I see that there's something that is extremely rare in this day and age. So I am very grateful to God for that. God rescued me from self destruction many times. I mentioned earlier that my waking up on train tracks was the third time it happened, there were two other times. When I was driving home drunk, or high, from work, or both at the same time, from that restaurant, first restaurant I worked at, um, I fell asleep at the wheel not far from my house, and um, found myself in a ditch. And uh, there was a ditch in between both directions that the travel, the, the traffic goes. I would wake up with my car off. Inches away from hitting a tree, the keys were in my lap, and I was completely unharmed. Now, that time I was on the train tracks, when the police officer was speaking to me about, you know, some of the things that I was telling him, who I was, why I was here, what's what's happening to me, I have a baby shower tomorrow, I need to get out of here. He should have arrested me for a DUI. I deserved to go to jail for that. But instead, he reminded me of what I had told him. And then he included things that I never even told him about me. And he slapped me with a minor citation for failure to stay in your lane. And I was just required to go to a 30-minute train safety course to clear it off my record. In all those three times, I'm thoroughly convinced that they were angels. That the angels protected me, turned off my car before I killed myself. And I I truly believe that that police officer was an angel. Because he told me things about myself that I never told him. And I was sober at the time. God rescued me from these evil environments that I was in. I was fired from that first job, like I said. And it was the best thing that could have happened to me. It got me out of that darkness. And the job I had when I got married was also a bad influence on me. And... Um, I ended up getting fired from there, too, because of my lack of integrity, and that really cemented how much I value integrity moving forward from there, which I have never violated since. And only after that did it make me get my act together, in which he blessed me with my current job, in a place where I'm truly happy now. It's not always easy, but I'm happy there. And most of all, the Lord gave me a godly woman to marry. Now, she's the daughter of a Lutheran pastor, and she if it, if it wasn't for her having enough godliness for the both of us, I would not be the man that I am today. She has been my rock. She has been faithful to me when I was just a terrible husband for many years. And she continues to be my accountability partner when I start going off track. I often just look at her with fondness and just remember how far we've come and how she just stuck with me through it all. I pray that the Lord just continues to bless her abundantly for the work that she's done in my life and what I can do for her in return and the wonderful things she's doing with our kids as well. Now, I told you that I publicly professed Christ when I was 10 years old, but the older I get, the more I realize that it may not have been a true conversion, or I just was not activated to his service yet. Because something happened one day that changed my life forever. April 25th, 2017. That's the day I consider my true spiritual birthday. So this is, and this is a true story. So I woke up on that, it was a Tuesday. I woke up that day. um, I was very depressed and um, was still deep in video game addiction and life was just hopeless and had no purpose to it. Um, I got out of bed as I usually did and I went to go take a shower Now, while I was in the shower, I heard a voice, like one on a loudspeaker in my head. And this voice was similar to my own, like almost like I could hear my own voice in my head, but slightly different. And it spoke words of authority to me. And it was just, I was just completely stunned by what was happening. And some of the things that the voice was saying was like, Ryan, you have not been acting according to my will. Enough is enough. Today is the day that you're going to change and obey my commands. The first thing that you're going to do is you will stop playing video games immediately. It is causing you to stay in the darkness and it's time that you face me. Secondly, I know that you have had a strong hatred for your boss at work. And you need to apologize to him and you need to forgive him. I am working on getting his attention and you are going to play a part in it. So this kept going on while I was showering and it was still going on as I finished my shower and getting dressed. And so I headed for the dining room to get my lunch dealt with and. This voice was still speaking to me. And then the voice told me, go to your oldest son's room. So I went over there. And as I watched him sleep, he said, do you see him sleeping there? That boy is looking at you on how a man should be. And what you are right now is nothing that should be imitated. For his sake as well, you need to change. And going back into the dining room, I it was then like another voice came into my mind that was trying to reject everything that the other voice was saying. And it said things like, you don't have to do any of this. Games are a part of who you are. They are what bring you joy and purpose. You don't have to listen to anything that you don't want to do. And Both voices started talking on top of each other, and I was getting, it was just becoming overwhelming, and my mental state just reached critical mass, and so at that point, I fell to my knees, I cried out to the Lord, and sought forgiveness, and I told him that I would obey him, and immediately, it was like a switch that flipped. And I was completely different after that. I felt love and joy in my heart. The profanity that was coming out of my mouth at work was gone. No more evil thoughts were in my head. I didn't even have a desire to play video games. I felt light. And I think that is when I experienced what the Bible describes as regeneration. And I became a new creature at that moment. And from that moment on, everything changed. I was on a relentless pursuit for God's will. The stresses and pressures of life no longer bothered me the same way they used to. And and when my wife saw how different I was, she just wept with joy at this transformation. And I just, I choke up every time I remember what she said. I mean, she said, that you were finally the man that I always knew was there. And since that time, you know, I have not touched a drop of alcohol. And it's going on 13 years. You know, I haven't done drugs in longer than that. And, you know, I haven't played video games for a while now. Um, It's still every so often... Um, I fall back on it a little bit, but, um, you know, it doesn't last very long. and But I can tell you with confidence that I have achieved victory through Jesus Christ. And it's nothing I did. It was all him. It always has been. So the, the point of all this is that we are not faithful, but God is faithful. God has established his plans for us since before he created everything, and we need to stop resisting him. Every time he puts a trial in my life and I fail, he puts me back on that same path until I've learned the lesson. And then he shows me that he's ready for me to take the next step. We ourselves have no value at all. But God gives us us value. He chooses us, puts that value in us, and he makes us valuable for his kingdom. He doesn't abandon us. But we will easily abandon him if we don't cling to him. God does all things for his glory and for our good. All he asks of us is to trust him with everything. Even if we don't understand why, even when we don't know what's going on, and especially when it's painful, that's when he wants us to trust him. When he's done melting us down to our base elements, you know, he works on reshaping us. That's what we call sanctification, reworking us into, you know, closer and closer every day to being more made into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. That's the aim. But we shouldn't resist this effort. God will accomplish what he wants in our lives. May God be, may only to God be the glory. Great things he has done in our lives. I want to thank you for listening to my testimony. And I hope it brought glory to God and it helped you in some way. Maybe it's relatable to you, or you struggle with similar things. What I can tell you is that there is hope, and it's only through God. What God has made clear to me in my life is something I keep hearing often, was full surrender. There was always a piece in me that I wanted to hang on to that I didn't want to give him. But every time I did that, he would remind me, full surrender. I ask you and I beg you to fully surrender to him. You have no idea what you're missing and how he can use you for his kingdom, how much better your life can be if you just give everything to him. So that's my challenge for you today. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and I appreciate you joining us today. God bless you, and we'll see you next time. Until then, take care.